You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark, or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I uh, just had a pretty great climbing session hit the bouldering gym with the girlfriend and uh my best friend and his fiance so it was just a good time overall uh and swung by the chick-fil-a on the way home so that's a win and a win and oh uh i think also there's like new cards that's a third win three wins bro okay rock wins quick opening banter rock climbing conversation okay have you do you own disney plus uh yes have you watched free solo yes bro are you joking that guy's crazy that dude is nuts and like that is like the most intimidating crap i've ever seen in my life (laughs) (laughs) dude i watched it i felt like an absolute piece of garbage afterwards i was like you know what i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna get on my bicycle and i'm going to ride to nebraska tonight because (laughs) this guy is so much cooler and so much fitter than me like honestly Okay, yeah. if you guys have no clue we're talking about, uh, Free Solo is a Netflix documentary uh, about a guy who climbs, uh, what is the name El of Capitan. El, El Capitan. Is it in Yosemite? In Yosemite? I think it's Yosemite National Park. Yeah, Yosemite National Park without any ropes by himself. Um, and it's mental, dude. It is absolutely mental. Uh, but other than other than now wanting to do something amazing like that with my life, uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I had a pretty good week, man. It was. Uh, it was, uh, you know, full. It's full, but it's been good. Uh, I'm just trying to get my kids to sleep past 5.30 in the morning. Like, that <laughs> would be <laughs> literally amazing. Because I had to take a nap today instead of playing more Legends of Runeterra. And that was that was disheartening. Uh, because when you want to play LOR, <laughs> but you're literally too tired to play LOR, uh, and you have to take a nap, then you lose valuable game time. Um, but for those of you guys who don't know when we record this is uh, only hours after the next edition to the call of the mountain set came out and i i don't remember what the new name of it is but uh oh man now i'm forgetting it, i did know it <laughs> but it's still it's still part of call of the mountain even though it has like its own name because you actually yeah. you actually can't filter it in the thing i i was curious about that so it's it's still filtered by uh by the the call of the mountain expansion name but i did get a chance to uh mess around with a couple of cards and tonight we decided instead of having sort of a more traditional podcast episode being we both are brand new to these cards we would talk Mm -hmm. about a few of them and really just discuss what our initial interactions were and then next week we'll get back to like a little bit more of a formal podcast schedule when we can have maybe a little bit more detailed conversation about the cards because we have had a little bit more time to play them yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, DBN, let me ask you. So, last week we uh, we had, you know, recorded. Tom Kench was the only champion that had been revealed at the time of our recording last week. By, like, this morning when you woke up and you knew mm-hmm. what all the cards were, what were you most excited to start with? Uh, so, I definitely had a couple thoughts. So, you know, I... I the more I thought about it, so I really like the stuff that they added. Um, but I did feel like I wish there was a few things that were a little more cohesive. Um, so there's like the obvious cohesion between the three champions, but some of the stuff that uh, you got for the other factions uh, didn't have like super clear homes, especially like the landmarks. Yeah. Like they had, it's just pretty wide open with the exception of like the slaughter docks, you know? Um, but the one that's that really just appealed to me was the very first card this preview. That was the vaults of Helia. And just, I, the more I thought about it, the more I just kept saying, this is what I want to mess with. This is what I think is the most interesting thing. If not, you know, the best thing, cause it's, it's not, but it's definitely the most interesting thing to me out of all the stuff that we've gotten so far. So I really wanted to give it a try. And plus with me, not wanting to spend like crafting materials on champions. Mm. Uh, mm. I said, you know, I'll spend my crafting materials on like uh, the epics and all the, the locations. So I'll, I'm going to focus my first kind of couple days playing on, you know, building around landmarks uh, because I'm going to get champs from my weekly chests and from my uh, path, my uh, advancement trees and stuff like that. So I, I'll spend my crafting materials on these landmarks and really play with them like they're new champions. <laughs> yeah, the landmarks are interesting. Uh, so you, you started off with vaults, which is, of course, the five mana Shadow Isles uh, landmark, if you guys haven't. Mm messed around with it yet at the uh, beginning of each turn it sacrifices your highest cost creature and summons something from your deck that costs one more um i'm really curious so dbn i actually made a vaults deck day one as well and it wasn't what i played first but i'll, I'll talk about that later um I, but mm-hmm. i i created a vaults deck and i tried it i tried vaults uh was so shadow isles targon i think i tried and then i mm-hmm. tried to then build shadow isles demacia because there's a couple of like really good six seven and eight drops in demacia that come down and have an immediate impact on the board because you don't have to play them from hand um mm-hmm. so tell me your experience because i i want to talk about my experience building a vaults deck what was your experience like building your vaults deck and what did you end up ultimately going with for your deck what, you know what your factions and champs and stuff were sure um so i didn't have any ideas like pre-built like in my head so i basically had enough time i had an hour for my lunch break to run home build a deck, play one game, and then go back to work. But i that's how I wanted to spend my time. So I was thinking on, like, the as it's getting closer to lunch, and I'm thinking about it on the drive home, like, what do I want to just dive into? Like, instantly craft and immediately start building. And the only thing, I had, like, a couple ideas, but I said I didn't really want to go in on the champions. So then I was looking at the landmarks, and I felt like I didn't really know what to do with a lot of them, especially, like, um, like the Star Spring. I felt like maybe I need to play soraka for this even though i think stars make my, my gut tells me star spring is going to be good even if it's not with soraka i mm-hmm. think it's just a good card um but i was like i want to go vaults because i feel like i have a good enough grasp on what it wants to do i just need to find the cards to help me do it 
so I crafted vaults. Uh, basically, I I kind of knew like what to like how it wants to play, even if I didn't know like what cards it was going to play with. And the issue is, um, you have to use either summon effects or uh, last breaths because if you like a lot of the cards are on play, but play only works from your hand. Uh, as does anything like plunder or daybreak or nightfall. All those things only work from your hand, which kind of sucks. And I, I really kind of wish that you'd get your play effects off of vaults because it's a very low tempo card. Um, and so the conclusion I, I kind of came up with was that there's really not a lot of ways to play vaults except maybe one. And that would be with Anivia and Trendemir. Oh, interesting. Um, so I basically went a Anivia Rekindler build. Yep. Um, that has mana ramp in the early game and just a ton of removal. Um, and so the ideal situation is you get, uh, you stall and stall. You've got like Avalanche, Grasp, Withering Whale, Vile Feast, Unspeakable Horrors, all that stuff. You've got, I've got Weirding Stones and Faces of the Old Ones. I'm not sure if it's necessary or not. I don't know yet. I undecided. Um, but uh what's cool is um vaults of helia if you can get it down and then drop anivia it'll blow up anivia uh at the start of turn seven yep uh give you a fresh anivia and an egg uh because the only seven drop i'm running is rekindler Yep. Yeah. Okay. That makes so sense. So you'll get a you'll get basically a free rekindler into Anivia, and then if rekindler sticks around, it'll blow itself up, give you Trendemir, and then just for icing. And I'm only running one copy, so you could draw it. But uh, if Trendemir sticks around, which he he's going to, you yeah, can get him instantly uh-huh. leveled up on the next turn. If you blow, if you let him get blown up by vaults and go grab Ladros. Oh, okay. Now, Ladros is on play, but once he dies, you'll get him into your hand and you'll be able to play him. So wait, he, um, kills, wait, he kills Trindamir? Oh, yeah, because Trindamir's eight. Yeah, Vaults would... So Vaults would go uh, Anivia into Rekindler, into Trindamir, into Ladros. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, now, the entire early game, I'm not, like, completely figured out on, but it, it works pretty good. Now, I've... I've played two builds of it. I won both times. The first time was just because I stalled them out long enough. Uh huh. Um, the second one ran a lot more like early games. Like this, this, this build that I currently have has a lot more like traditional like stall healing stuff. I've got like one ruination, one vengeance, two grasp, two withering whales, three avalanche, three vile feast, three unspeakable horrors. Like just a lot of stall. Yeah, a lot of but, stuff just to prevent your opponent from uh, overrunning you in the early game. Exactly, yeah. And Avalanche completely does the trick. Like, Avalanche is just such a good card. It It is, depending on the meta, especially. But right now, because we don't, we're not still in, like, the burn meta where you needed to deal three to stuff, it is really, it is very good. I still think, like, even, even so, I think Avalanche was, it has always been an underrated card. Um, be, especially if you pair it with Shadow Isles, which can then get like extra pings off of Vile Feast and now with Horror. Pretty solid. Um, but at first, I was running like Cursed Keeper and like Glimpses, and I was also running 
um, that one drop that puts more um, last breath creatures into your hand. And basically the idea was I'm going to generate just a ton of things to throw out in front of my opponent. Mm -hmm. And then once I get vault down, I'm almost certainly going to have things to blow up. But the situation I ran into was I was flooding my hand with largely useless crap and wishing I had more uh, like healing, wishing I had more removal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I switched it over to basically I'm running, I'm still running Avarice and Sentries. I'm running Faces of the Old One and Weirding Stones. And those are my twos and threes uh, creatures. And then I'm running right now, I'm running two Babbling Bjergs, but I'm not sold on it. And then I've got Avarice and Hearthguards, um, be if only because if I get vaults down, and I don't have Anivia. A hearth guard will turn into an Anivia, okay. and if you know, if I pull hearth guard or Bjerg, right? Like I basically want to be able to pull something anytime vaults is down, no matter what creature is on the board. So if I have a, you know, if I have a face of the old one or an Everestin Century, I'm pulling a Weirding Stones. Yeah, that's not great. But if I have a Weirding Stones, I'll pull a Bjerg. If I have a Bjerg, I'll pull a Hearthguard. If I have a Hearthguard, I'll pull a Nivea. And then there we go. We're into the money now. Um, you, are what you, was are you running Withering Whale? Yeah, I'm running two of those. Yeah. Okay, Catalyst of Aeons. Is that in your deck? Uh, the no. five mana ramp and heal three? No, I'm, I'm, I have such a hard time playing that card in my deck. Um, Just don't like it. it well, it's just it's dead against uh, any fast deck, and and my gut was telling me with dragons running around, I didn't want to have any super super slow cards, and I'm already running slow stuff with like faces and weirding stones. So, yeah, okay, you know, those those dragons are hard to deal with. Um, I did play against one dragons deck, and I beat it mostly on the back of uh, uh, Trendemir and Rekindler. Yeah, I mean, um, th- that is really, really strong. Well, and I didn't have to pay for Trendemir. And that's the thing, like, you think about it, and you're like, yeah, like, you're you're only getting yourself one free mana. I was like, and that's true if you're not playing things like Anivia, Rekindler, and Trendemir, which when you kill them, you know, at least with Anivia and Trendemir, they stick around. Yeah, you're, you know? you're still getting value there, even though the thing died. Right, and now I think that there's also probably a viable build in here where... You know, because I'm running three Trendomeres and a Ruination, that's why I'm running like Faces of the Old Ones. But I think you could via like potentially put Catalysts in there if there's a slow, slower metagame. Just get a little greedier. Uh, plus, it's heal. That's nice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't know. I, but it, it was really the bigger thing was the animation on Vaults is super cool. Uh, it and it's is, just a fun card dude, to play the with. The animation on Vaults is great. It's super sick. Love it's it. great. So let's talk about the terrible deck that I made. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I decided to play this, and I was like, I didn't think, I just didn't connect the Anivia Trindamir thing there. But what I did connect was, okay, play Hecarim, attack with Hecarim, Hecarim gets sacked, summons uh, a Rekindler, Rekindler summons a new Hecarim, right? So I'm like, okay, I'll get like some hecarums on the board or something and i think if there was a card in this game that was like you know uh, the net like uh, give this creature last breath when it dies resummon it or something um yeah that maybe there was maybe like that would be a little bit more viable but i just i i ended up trying to build the deck a way too much sort of like altar decks were built in uh in the elder scrolls legends um I just too often i i was i was just like trying to make sure that i i had things 
things that would work on turn one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, the whole way through. And that just didn't really work well or jive well with me. So I, I swapped over and I jumped to Demacia. And uh, because Demacia has a lot of like really good end game stuff right so uh tanina uh crown guard which is the eight mana seven seven that when mm, i'm summoned yeah. rally and she has tough i was like you know that's actually a really good one like so turn six hecarim turn seven rekindler into hecarim turn eight rally and get a seven seven with tough by just losing my rekindler and i was like hmm that's pretty good genevieve elmhart is pretty good she's a scout you know challenger although she just got nerfed five four that gives everything on your board plus one plus one and that can be done on summon as well and so i was kind of like okay demacia has a lot of like rally stuff even the new uh the dragon guard lookout whenever he's summoned if you have if you behold a dragon rally but it was too anti-synergistic, right? Because Demacia wants to build a wide board, and this game, this card is, like, not really enabling you to do that really well because you have to be really careful with what you play, and uh, is really board-centric. You have to be really careful with how you trade so that you can sort of, like, chain the correct stuff, whereas this build that you had is kind of like, yeah, this is this is basically War Mothers, right? Um, except you're running vaults instead of of trying to you know like pull stuff from your deck uh, right. i think the question that i would have is is it better than just playing this exact same deck but just you know playing war mother's call in it instead of vaults um and that's probably hard to know for sure you know well you know i there's definitely pros and cons there but i will say the game that i so the first game i played i played I won with vaults against dragons. I didn't think I'd be able to do it, but I pulled it out. Um, and it was because of vaults. It actually was because I played vaults because it, there was no way with vaults. I was going to be able to get like the double Anivia's and anything like that fast enough, uh -huh. you know, because I was able to not, I, I was able to, you, you'd lose the tempo with vaults and on the initial play, but then on the following turn, uh, you know, you play the, you play Anivia. Ideally, like I, in that situation, like what I did was I basically on, on five, I had spell, some spell mana. Uh, I like used a, I think I used a vile feast or something like that, you know, survived, played vaults. It blew something up and got me whatever. I think it got me like a two or three drop. But then, uh, I played Anivia on my turn, passed. Anivia blew up. Anivia summoned Rekindler. Now I have an egg, a Rekindler, and an Anivia. Yeah. And and seven mana. Yeah, because you haven't played anything. Because I didn't actually have to play Rekindler. Uh -huh, so now it, you can you know, vengeance if you need to. Or so something. and that's exactly what the situation was. I looked at it and I was like, oh great, now I have the mana to go grasping and dying and a vile feast and heal and survive, you know. Uh, and then the next turn, the the Rekindler died, replaced itself with Trendomir. Again, I have full full mana now to continue removing things, continue to playing to play creatures and stuff down, you know, and that's how that's why at, after that game, I switched out a lot of the creatures that I had in the early game over to more spells and more removal so that I could make sure I can, I can keep my board afloat off of the vault chaining. And then I can uh, leverage that on turns like eight and nine uh, by using, being able to use a lot of spells too.
And interesting because Ruination is one of the few destruction cards that will not remove a landmark. And so you can actually mm-hmm. get your Anivia, a couple of Anivias out on the board, and then Vaults, uh, or and then and then Ruination, and it will keep your Vaults and your Anivia eggs on the board, which is uh, yeah, and really then, great. Well, and then you can, after that, you can go, uh, if your Vault is still around and your Anivia is still around, it'll blow up the new highest thing, which is Anivia, which then gives you another Rekindler, which gives you another Anivia, yada, 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 yada. Yeah, okay, so that's, I, I actually built the deck for it while we were talking here real quick, just clicking through kind of like what you said was in the deck. It looks really exciting, I'm definitely going to be checking out that. For me, though, for me, I was excited about Shivana, which is what we're going to talk about. I was excited for Demacia Dragons, um, and so I went ahead and put together, I, I crafted myself three Shivanas. Speaking of, guys, if you haven't known, well, two things. One, I hit Platinum last night. Uh, just, you know, right before the season ended. Uh, I didn't realize we were getting a soft reset already, but I did push and hit platinum with TF Swain last night, which might make me a terrible person, but I don't care. Um, We'll let you decide. Yeah, we'll let all of you decide (laughs) if I'm a terrible person. But there came out with a bunch of uh, really cool uh, new packs uh, uh, for stuff. So we got got the emote pack with Tom Kench uh, with Aurelian Soul, Leona, and Soraka. And Leona and Soraka and Kench, I think, are all really good emotes. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Aurelian Soul one, but... It is what it is. Um, And then we got a new board uh, with like a spooky Poro, like a zombie or something. Is he like a Frankenstein Poro? It looked to me. He's everything. I don't know. I think it might have been a mummy, but it looked to me like it it looked kind of like the Skyrim helmet to me. Yeah, I I can't tell because he has like demon horns and a tail, but he has like a, I don't know, whatever. That's why I thought it was like the the horns made me think like Skyrim helmet, but. Yeah, um, yeah. So This isn't Elder Scrolls. It isn't. (laughs) It isn't. They're not trying to cross over. Uh, It's spooky. So it's like a spooky uh, Halloween themed board, which is a really cool board, by the way. Super cool. And then uh, we got the new Shivana stuff, which if you buy the bundle, comes with a Shivana Aurelian Soul deck with a couple copies of each, I believe. Um, also comes with the Shivana card back, which you can buy separate. And the Infernal Dragon, which is, I think, our first rare or epic level minion guy. Um, it, I, I don't... It, He's he's a little bit more expensive, uh, Guardian, um, and then you also get the exclusive emote uh, for Shivana called Fire Up, which you can only get through this pack of things, uh, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> you can pick up all of that. Which I really like what they're doing there. They're like, hey, here's a deck that you can play if you're a new player and you like dragons. Here's a deck that you can play and get started, and we're gonna give you a bunch of cool cosmetics to go with it, so you can feel like, okay, I threw thirty or bucks at the game or whatever, and I can. I can jump on in and i think that's cool yeah i agree so totally. we'll, we'll go back and maybe you can tell me what your favorite cosmetic is that came out but um so i made a shivana dragons deck i uh tried kind of like I, I noticed a lot of people played sort of different variations of this um some people went with kind of like the new dragon that can reduce the next dragon you play by two um to try to sort of cheat out uh aurelian soul early so they play like shivana aurelian soul the one that i liked the most so far is mono demacia I'm playing
playing Shavana Garen Bannerman. Um, and so mm. I'm playing uh, all of the cards that DBN hates. Um, and so the, the goal of this <laughs> is kind of like, so you have this new one called Egghead Researcher, which is a two mana one three. And when you summon him, he always puts a dragon follower in your hand. So you can, you can pick up a lot of different dragons through the Egghead Researcher, which typically allows you to get the... Um, uh, what what do you have to have? There's a couple of things. Oh yeah, uh, I always forget what it's called. The Behold a Dragon, which Dragon Guard Lieutenant, which is a two mana three two that gets Challenger, which is a really strong early game card. Um, and I'll tell you this much: what we kind of thought when I when I first saw it, um, I can't play in this deck. But if you play the one that reduces dragons by one cost by one, and you play Shivana on three, she's really strong. This deck I can't do that. It's just sort of like. I want to powerhouse people down. So it plays Garen, it plays the Screeching Dragon, Sithria the Bold, and a couple copies of Genevieve, even though she just got nerfed down to a 5-4 from a 5-5. And then, of course, the Vanguard Bannerman, which allows me to buff my board. Um, it runs a few scout cards. I, I'm actually thinking about <laughs> dropping Garen and maybe playing kind of like Shivana Scouts and playing with Quinn um, mm. and, and kind of seeing what that looks like. So I'm, I'm not real sure, but I played it, oh, I don't know, a handful of games. I think the one, this one that I like that's mono um, is maybe, I, I think it might be like better than the than the other one that I played, but I, I, I've never played with Aurelian Soul because I think that Aurelian Soul just doesn't fit with Shivana well. I think Shivana fits better with sort of like a mid-range beat-down beat style deck, in my opinion. I agree. I would. I don't think Soul, Aurelian Soul needs to be in the Shivana deck at all. Yeah. So th this deck has been a lot of fun. <laughs> it's probably got me a little over a fifty percent win rate, but the 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 latter is wild right now. I mean, you just, you just yeah, have no idea. Be. <laughs> we have no idea what I'm going up against. But one of the decks that. I saw a lot of, and DBN, I don't know if you saw this deck or not. Have you seen the Tom Kench Soraka heel, uh, <laughs> heel win condition deck? I have not. Uh, I only played the two games after all. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's just, it's super popular. So I think that both Swim and BBG were playing it today. So the, the basic concept of this deck is you play all of the new cards with Tom Kench that damage themselves. Then you play mm -hmm. the Springs Landmark and Soraka with a lot of, like, healing. Like, the, the deck tops out at four mana. Hmm. So that it's not a control deck. It's just like let's build an early game board that I'm that damages itself, but they're overstated minions that are constantly I'm healing them and just get to twenty two healing before you know like turn eight. Yeah, and win hmm. the game that way. With Starspring. With Starspring, yeah. I right. the game doesn't really have a win condition. I don't think that that isn't Starspring. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but I don't. Um, I cannot uh, think of a way in which you have a deck that pretty much exclusively heals and tops out at four mana, and Tom Kench and Soraka are in it, and you have any win condition at all beyond like what I just said. You know. Well, I don't know. I need. To, I need to look at the list. I mean, I haven't. I haven't seen one. Uh, but I mean, are they running like all those? little boys that damage themselves in Bilgewater? They are, yeah. So there's like the... Maybe the... those, because those guys are overstatted for their cost. I guess if they have enough card draw, maybe they're just 
you know, Tom Kench is eating them as they go and then just pushing damage where you can find it. Yeah. And then yeah. I guess you have the I guess you have the Star Spring win condition as an out, you know. I think that the Star Spring win condition is the win con of the deck. And then yeah. and then maybe you can push enough damage with little guys to win the game. It just seems like the deck is pretty isolated to Star Spring is how it's going to win. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I'll need to mess with it. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, TK is pretty interesting uh, and it's on my list of things to work with. Like I said uh, earlier, I figure I'll find enough uh, of the champs off of the back of like uh, chests and, you know, the champion cards from the um, from the ladders and stuff like that, that I'm, I don't feel like I need to spend my crafting materials on them when I can spend my crafting materials on all the other stuff. Sure, there's lots of stuff that's a little I mean, bit lots delayed of stuff value, to explore. But... There's lots of stuff right. to explore. Well, you yeah. know, we we do want to talk about the other two champions that we haven't had a chance to talk about and take a look at them. But before we do that, DBN, why don't you uh, take us over to our Patreon Discord uh, channel? And uh, we added we had a question that came in I think last week. So yeah. uh, if you are one of our patrons, uh, which you can become one by visiting Patreon.com/LegendsCast. I don't believe we had any new ones this week, but you can do that by going over there and supporting the show. We do do a hat giveaway every month or a giveaway of some type every month. Uh, there'll be a hat for the month of October, um, a Legends Cast hat. Um, you can visit us over there at patreon.com slash Legends Cast. And if you do that, you get the Patreon tag in the Discord. And uh, like the new intro that you heard and the new outro that you will hear um, was sponsored by and made possible by our patrons, um, but also um, they were the ones who who voted on it and helped us refine the sound of that new intro and outro. And so we sent them stuff uh, from the, the guy that was doing it for us and they helped us decide on stuff. And we will look and grab an answer from Patreon each week as long as there's one there to grab that we can discuss. So DBN, why don't you take us to that and tell us what question we're going to be discussing this week? Yeah, so uh, in our Patreon channel, and of course, just a reminder, make sure if you are a Patreon supporter, go ahead and put your questions in there so I can uh, have more questions for next week. Um, but uh, this is from our a newer uh patreon supporter i believe just in the last month or two yes okay cringe lord uh okay cringe lord asked um what sort of tips or strategies would you give for players in a general sense like mistakes that new players often make or an faq on how to climb the ladder um i've been playing a little while now can't seem to make it very high in rank so some tips from vets would be fun to hear um, this is backdated a little bit, but, um, yeah, so the, the way I want to answer this question is, uh, I want each of us to kind of give one just sort of general tip for Runeterra that a newer player might not think about. Oh, so do you have one in mind? Um, you know what? It's kind of, <laughs> I think that this is kind of, I have two, so I'm going to give, I'm going to give one and that is that synergy is extremely important in Runeterra. Um, more important than in a lot of other card games that I've played. So if, you've, if you're coming from other card games, one of the bad habits that you can have in Runeterra is underplaying Synergy. And Synergy is very significant in this game. Uh, the only other little piece of advice that I would give, and I'm, I'm learning this still, so I love how they like called us vets, but 
Uh, thank you, Cringe Lord. <laughs> I appreciate that, but I am not one. Um, <laughs> uh, the the thing that I've been learning actually by watching people who are master's level streamers um, is learning when you are at a board state that you don't care that nothing else develops. Um, and being okay with passing turn, knowing that your opponent could pass turn and end the round. And this has a lot to do with knowing about what is the board state, what can your opponent do with the factions that they're working with, and what am I capable of doing to secure a solid board? Because a lot of this game is about board state, a lot of it is about trading and uh, combat tricks and then another big significant part of this game is about passing back and forth on the turns to see if your opponent will do something or won't do something so let me just give you a quick example of this in this game right now in the dragon mirror something is coming up where you are playing the three mana three two uh, i'm sorry the two mana three two behold uh, if you behold a dragon, I get challenger. And then your opponent is playing the two mana one one that makes dragons cost one less. Well, the three two eats that thing for lunch. And sometimes the temptation is turn one pass, turn two, I have the attack token. I want to get this three two with challenger down on the board and deal three damage to face. I'm going to smash face. So you throw the three two down, your opponent passes, you attack with a three two, deal three damage to face. And now you're expecting your opponent to pass because they passed. They did challenge your 3-2 and instead they play a 1-1 that makes their dragons cost one less and then out tempo you on board from that point forward whereas the actual better thing to do in that scenario is to say i'm gonna pass turn because if they pass turn i'm only missing three damage to face and they're not getting a superior board advantage but if they play a 1-1 that makes their dragons cost one less then i can eat it with my 3-2 and i think that there's there's uh i, I typically because of my experience in other card games where you didn't have this back and forth function of I take an action, you take an action, I take an action, you take an action, I was just used to slamming down what I knew to be the correct play. And sometimes the correct play in Legends of Runeterra is dictated by the passing back and forth of the turns. So learn a little bit about that. Watch some streamers and watch some, you know, like high masters level players and how they, they there's this bluffing game that's going on constantly between them and their opponent of if they have something to play or if they don't have something to play, will they allow the turn to pass or won't they allow the turn to pass? You get a lot of information off of that. And I think that is the one tip that I would give. Learn immediately become a student of the pass back and forth game for turns that's that's my word of advice that's a great point too i think because there is i think if you come from a background of like say tessel or hearthstone especially hearthstone especially um, yeah you know there's the idea of you're gonna lose this mana so you gotta use it you might as well you might as well use it you know um, and there's definitely plenty of times in this game, even a Tessel, that by playing something, by continuing to expend your hand advantage, and that's a really big thing that new card players often forget, uh, like hand advantage is a thing. Like you want to have more cards than your opponent, it represents more resources. But if you're not actually getting anything out of the hand advantage that you've built by having a good board state, 
uh, or worse, if you're running, if you're already losing the hand advantage, which you have a good board state, continuing to play things onto the board is not always the correct decision, especially if you're playing against something that can punish that with, say, an avalanche or a um, ruination, ruination or anything like that. And there's not as many board clears in this game, but they exist. Uh, withering whales, stuff like that. Um, or just simply a Riptide Rex that, that you know might come down. And so mm-hmm. uh, just understanding when you know, your board's really not going to get that much better by you playing a card just to play the card, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that, that's a great point. Uh, the point I guess I want to make is, um, it's a pretty simple one. Maybe it's obvious. Uh, but, um, in legend of Runeterra, one of the things that a lot of people kind of forget, I guess, is that, um, well, you have spell mana yep. and, um, more than that, this game, because it's a back and forth, uh, this kind of goes back to, uh, you know, understanding pick every tear as a back and forth, a shared initiative system, if you will, uh, because it's going to go back and forth. Your opponent is doing that bluffing and looking, they're not just looking at what they have. They're not just worried about what you might have, but they're also looking at your mana and knowing what you could play with what you have left. One of the things I see a lot of newer players, especially when I get bumped down to the bottom of the ladder, uh, I see a lot of people overplaying their mana and not holding anything back, which basically tells me if, if my opponent has no mana, right? I know I can do whatever I want on my turn and they can do nothing to stop it. Um, and that's one of the things that I think you see a lot of the top players. They only really expend all of their mana on turns where either they have to, to stay alive or turns where, um, their opponent has also done the same and they know that they can do it and get away with it. Um, because normally you want to keep a little mana back if only to keep your opponent guessing crap, what could they have? I don't know. Um, and that's a, that's a really, that's a really big thing to keep in mind. So I just, I guess my recommendation is be very wary about playing out all your mana. <laughs> yeah, there's a mind game that goes along with spell mana. And when your opponent has spell mana, you naturally play differently. When my mm-hmm. opponent is just playing one on one, two on two, three on three, four on four, and has no spell mana, I know exactly what I'm dealing with. Um, and combat tricks are so important in Legends of Runeterra at this point in the game, anyway. You know, maybe if you're listening to this in the future, maybe they're less important. But at this point in the game, combat tricks are incredibly important. And when you have enough mana to be able to pull off a combat trick, or maybe to be able to pull up a contra- combat trick a couple turns earlier than what you normally would be able to you know there's a big difference when you're up against demacia and they are they have no spell mana and they've spent all their mana on their last card and when they have two spell mana because as soon as they have two spell mana you know that single combat is on the table and even if they don't have single combat in hand i have to play like they do have single combat in hand because it can completely destroy my game plan and uh when you don't have any spell mana it it makes me not care okay yeah you you can have five single combats in your hand. I don't really care because you can't play any of them because you don't have any spell mana banked. So I think that spell mana in a game that is so heavily dependent on combat tricks is definitely really important and uh, something that you always need to kind of keep in the back of your mind when you're a new player. Spell mana is very powerful, both in the cards that you can use to play it, uh, you can use with it, but also um, in the mind games it plays with your opponents and the fact that it makes your opponent play differently, whether you have the answer in your hand or not they're forced to play around as if you did Um, right or at least a good player will 
Well, let's talk about the other two champions that came out because we talked about Tom Kench. I already mentioned Shivana. I want to bring her up and take a look at her because she's the most exciting one to me. Let's talk about her for just a couple of minutes. We'll probably do a champion spotlight in the future. Shivana is a four-mana Demacia champion. She is a three-attack, four-health that reads, attack, give me plus one, plus one this round. So when you play her on four, if you attack with her the same round, you basically are playing a four-mana, four-five if you get the opportunity to attack with her. Her she levels up when she has seen dragon allies deal 12 plus damage keep in mind this can be done through attacks but this can also be done through things like one of our new cards strike uh strafing strike is that how you pronounce it strafing strike strafing strike strafing strike or single combat and both of those cards will allow dragons to deal damage if used on one of your dragons when you level up shivana she becomes a four mana four five with fury which means when she kills something she'll get a plus one plus one and then when she attacks you get a plus two plus two in your hand and create a fleeting strafing strike in hand strafing strike is a three mana fast spell that reads an ally and an enemy strike each other the same exact as single combat with the added little bit then if an ally is a dragon heal it too um a very very powerful card in combination with shivana and the fact that you attack with her she becomes a six seven when she's leveled up and you immediately put a six seven with fury mind you and then you immediately put a card in hand that says i don't know what you're gonna do but i have a combat trick and i will always (laughs) have a combat trick when i attack with her um is really incredible so uh dbm what were your first impressions of i don't know you said you played against a dragon deck but i'm curious to know what are your first impressions of shivana uh good bad oh she's also a dragon Dragon for tag, so yeah, I'm pretty sure Shivana's good. Um, yeah, Shivana, but Shivana's Shivana's not like overly complicated. It's just a good stuff card that continues to generate ways for you to cement a board state. I mean, I really don't have much more to say than that. I think it synergizes really interestingly with a lot of the other stuff um, that's on the table. So, if, or for Demacia specifically, it opens up another kind of good stuff champion alongside the cheaper Fiora and the less cheap Garen. So, depending on how you want to you know, run your run the table in terms of you want to get, you know, value champs out early or you want to kind of hit the more resilient ones in Garen and Shivana there. It's just it's just good. I, I can't say it any other way. Like it's a good card. It's going to be impactful for a long time, I think. And I also happen to think that like the um just strictly the way that uh, dragons work is going to be more of what Damasu did with like Bannerman stuff, just a different approach. Keep in mind, dragons now basically have six copies of single combat plus at their disposal. They don't have to run all of it. Plus whatever you want to run uh, or plus whatever you get from the duplicates of Shivana, you know? So yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's, I, I played against a guy today who played, uh, played a single combat, three strafing strikes against me, then leveled up Shivana and played another one. Um, and it just hmm. was really oppressive and super hard to deal with because you just got a big Shivana on board. And if you can hit Shivana with something like Mentor of the Stones, for example, play Mentor of the Stones on three, Shivana on four, and then when you attack, give her a permanent plus two, plus two, plus another, plus one, plus one, you're attacking on turn four with, uh, with a six, seven that is going to stay with, you know, with at least two of that. Um, and then you can hit people with, you know, strafing strike or uh, or single combat with her. You know, you can level her up 
in one in that turn. Like if mm-hmm. you if you have two spell mana, let's say you have two spell mana and you play, you know, Mentor the Stones and then Shivana attack, you know, you deal your six damage and then you single combat something and do another six, you can level her up on turn four. Um, so she's really not as hard to level up as you might think. If you have a couple of the cards around her, she can level up on her own without any other dragons in your deck. It's not like it's going to require a huge build around. You can find multiple ways to level her up, either by keeping her alive, protecting her and buffing her, and then, you know, with barriers or whatever have you, and having her deal up to 12 damage, or by uh, by getting other dragons on the board and having them level her up. There is multiple mm-hmm. <laughs> multiple ways to do it, and her level up animation is amazing. Yeah, no, it's I've seen it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, it might be my favorite level up animation. Uh, Shivana was one of my League of Legends champions. This was one of the ones that I really wanted to see come to the game because when I quit playing League, you know, years ago, Shivana was the champion that I was playing in the top lane at the time. And I don't think she's really a good League champion now, and I don't even know where she plays, but whenever I was playing, she was kind of like a top lane bruiser and uh, really enjoyed mm-hmm. playing her there. I think that, I think that you're right, DB. <laughs> I think that she is just good, um, but she's not uninteresting. Like, in my, in my opinion, I don't think that she's uninteresting. Do you find her to be not interesting? I don't know if I've played her enough to find if she'd get boring over time, but service level, no. I think tribal is really interesting, and that's what we've got is a really good tribal champion, of which I'd like to see more. Um, like, toad, I, like Toad tribal for Tom Kench. Toad tri- No, but troll tribal for Trundle and his associated trolls. I yeah, think that, that would, would be... be really really good yeah i would love to see that yeah i i agree i think that the tribal tag and then i think any really any card when it levels up when it begins adding fleeting copies of another card Mm -hmm. to your hand i think creates really interesting interactions i think that's one of the interesting pieces of lulu is actually not what she does to level up or her support stuff it's actually the fact that she picks up help picks uh, that she generates each round and you get to choose if you're going to put out barrier or vulnerable with her. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that is actually a more interesting part of what I think that makes Lulu more interesting. Um, and one of the cool one of the interesting parts of Trundle as well, really, is that he generates another card. Um, yeah. So I think that, like, yes, she is a good stuff. But when I compare her to like a Garen. Uh, like Garen is just flat in comparison <laughs> to Siobhan. Mm-hmm. No, I can see that. Um, and I think that like Garen still exists in the competitive, but like totally, how do I say this? Um, like there is the, we've, we've both talked about and also I've criticized the idea of creating like new player friendly champions. Uh huh. That's what Garen is, but Garen's also viable, semi-viable. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's got a good effect. He's got a certain way to play. He's basic, but he's not garbage. Um, <laughs> garbage, right? So, like, I my I argue that Darius is a is a bad card, if not f- in terms of he's never been played, because that's not true. But in terms of he is a the epitome of not interesting. He might as well just be a not a champion. 
He's right. I would argue Garen to, to a lot of cards that are not champions. <laughs> exactly. And I'd argue that Garen still hits the threshold of what is necessary to be a champion in terms of like interest and uniqueness. Um, whereas I don't think Darius does, but um, I think Shivana is on a completely different level than that. Uh, because Shivana has that's not just the tribal tag, but also has you know the, uh, uh, the when you attack you get plus one plus one you know and then it's it creates anything that I think creates spells that it clearly wants you to try to utilize uh, and then that kind of with the fury basically like it's just it 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 you know what it is it's flavorful and it matches up with the other cards synergistically and mechanically. And that's all you can really ask from a like design standpoint in terms of making a card feel fun to use. Yeah, I think that Shivana is going to be a, a meta staple for now. It's really hard to tell. You know, like I was listening to BBG and people were asking him, what tier is this deck? And rate it and he's like you can't like it's the first day chances are pirate burn aggro and tf swain are still going to be bonkers good they didn't get much worse and stuff that's been nerfed has not really focused on those decks which were really strong already so you know i think that it one thing i will say though is that the cards that have come out in this have definitely made me realize that some of the stuff that we had talked about before in terms of the last round of nerfs where we were like is this prepping for a future car like why why did this get nerfed is this prepping for something in the future definitely saw that to be the case whenever we got a card that can cheat out aurelian soul two turns early and then it's like <laughs> oh yeah this is why they increased him to you know an additional five power in order for him to level up because I, I saw I saw DB or uh, BBG today um, play him uh, three turns early because he had a uh, dragons were one cheaper. Then he played the the one that drops its cost by two, and so he played a soul on turn seven. And it is not easy to deal with a soul on turn seven. That is no. It is not easy, um, but there was one other champion that came out. Uh, and why don't you you have her uh, have her up? Are you able to tell her uh, tell us about Soraka uh, DBN? Uh, if you give me a second, I can pull it up. Yeah, sure. Um, this is the one I've probably looked at the least uh, of all of them. Not that I think it's a bad or uninteresting card, though. Um, all right, Soraka. So um, this is a new Targon champion. Uh, three mana, one, six, yep. three mana, one, six support heal me and my supported ally four. Uh, and then it levels up when you've healed damaged allies four plus times. The leveled up copy of course gets the plus one plus one. And then it says the first time you heal a damaged ally each round, draw one support fully heal me and my supported ally. And then the effect, uh, the spell card is a uh, wish. And wish fully heals all damage allies uh, and then shuffles, in this case, because it's a Soraka card, shuffles Soraka into the deck. And that's for three mana. Yeah. Um, so a heal-focused champion, I really like that. Uh, at the minimum from the MOBA 
you know side of things where healers uh-huh. are pretty pretty big deal and mobas sure um and i like that that is being reflected in a champion where i think a lot of uh games don't really focus on healing um i remember tesla very rarely had anything that healed and the heal cards in tesla were garbage yeah no one ever played um, them it was like this is pointless why am i using these but that had right. a lot to do with the fact that attacker had priority on how they took trades too well right but i think priest uh, in Hearthstone, I always really enjoyed the early days of Priest before Priest turned into a spell combo deck like Mage Light. I really hated <laughs> how Priest ended up. The only, basically was the only Priest deck that I played, I played uh, I played Shadow Priest. I played Highlander. Uh, Highlander Shadow Priest was what I played Ugh. in uh, in that. So because it See, was I just used total to cra- steal all your stuff, Highlander Shadow Priest. So one of each card. That was what I played. I like the early days of kind of like the mid rangey priest where you're like playing injured blade master, a three mana, like f- what, four, seven four or something seven. like four, or th- yeah, th- th- three or four mana, four, seven. And then you'd get to heal it with your hero power and whatever. And, you know, just get a lot of value out of him. Yeah. You're zero, you're zero mana circle heal for four. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I loved that. Love that stuff. Uh, and I loved when you had, uh, that the time, uh, where you had Barnes could summon a one mana copy and then played res you played resurrect priest so like he'd summon a one one copy of a huge dude in your deck it would die and then you'd play resurrect on it and it would you know revive it and at full health and then you just spend the rest of the game healing these big bodies that you got under curved that was my jam i loved that deck I love that deck so much. That's the deck that I got closest to hitting Hearthstone Legend in, and you know how much of a grind that is. Oh. <laughs> it's insane. I think I, was, I, I think I was like ranked two or something like that that season, just with that, just playing that one, my personally built version of Resurrect Priest. Uh, that was a fun times. But but regardless, healing uh, being a <laughs> kind of newly supported archetype, and there's a lot to support healing now. Uh-huh. Um and a lot of things they want you to play with it. I think Soraka's level up is awesome. I really enjoy it. Um, with the new build water be, cards is really easy too. Like very, yeah. like you can actually have her leveled up on three. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it's possible. Um, and I think that's really, I think she's good. I, and I, I hope she gets good. Like, I hope she's a strong card. I haven't played her or played against her yet. I've seen one person, like one video where they played her and it looked fun. Um, I guess I just feel like I can't make a judgment on it because I haven't seen it in action yet. You know, you know, like we say with all cards and card games, the one thing that we look for DBN on a card, the Mm -hmm. the one word is the word draw draw. So here's the thing. If Soraka's ability was support, heal me and my supported ally for, and then it was level up, support, fully heal me and my supported ally. And maybe, maybe you know, one other thing. If it didn't say you can basically draw two cards a turn, because in this deck you're going to deal self-damage, right? You want to deal self-damage because you, you mm-hmm. want to get leveled up. And you want to play Springs, right? And I saw some games today where people got two Springs down, okay? So now Springs. You know, I saw a game where two springs came down. Spring one healed two creatures on the board and leveled up Soraka. And then, you know, spring two healed 
other two you know creatures on the board again and drew a card with Soraka. And so if you can keep things that are damaged using, say, Tom Kench to keep damaging himself um, and then healing him up, you can pretty consistently draw two cards almost each turn, um, which is really strong, especially in conjunction with another card that we got in the set, which I wasn't too stoked about um but as it turns out it's it's pretty good which is the one that heals an ally for four and then gives them plus zero plus four as well and that plus zero plus four is going to stick with them um and i think that that is another really really strong card that works really well with soraka maybe not with other things but it is a it is a combat trick um, that sort of enables your win condition with, you know, you're not going to kill things easier, but enables your your win condition uh, with your uh, star spring really quickly. And I think that that is, uh, that's cool. So I think, you know, you play Soraka probably with star spring every time. And I think that she plays with the new bilge cards or she might play with some of the crimson cards from Noxus. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, has that kind of gotten your juices going again for 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 Noxus Crimson uh, package? Is Soraka because she could uh, pair well with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. But the Crimson cards on their own aren't that great. Vlad's still not a champion, um, so not really. To be honest, as much as I want to, I've been much more interested in trying to figure out a way to use the Nox Cry Arena. I've been my brain has been running circles trying to figure out a way, a build of that that I'm excited to play because I'm excited to play the arena card. Although I've kind of realized like Noxus doesn't have great ways to use arena. Like it would be way better if the arena, although it wouldn't make sense, the arena would make more sense in Demacia or Freljord from a structure perspective of what other cards are in that yeah. faction because you, you've got like the regenerate for yard you've got like the barriers and stuff mm, like that dragons with fury in uh in course, yeah. yeah yeah and i was thinking about going like shivana gare and if i gibbles and bits of saying he had built that deck uh you know with the arena uh and like a slower grindier build um which sounds fun you know i was thinking to go more with like the run th- triple prismatic shields and just just put barriers on whatever's going to punch something, you know, <laughs> before the uh, end of the turn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That would be good. Run the two mana guy that gives out barrier as well. So just before the end of your turn, you put barrier on your strongest thing. Then that strongest thing punches their weakest thing. And eventually you win the board like that. That was my idea. I haven't built it yet though. Um, I, I kind of realized like, you know, the strength of Demacia is I think that there's a lot of cohesiveness in their game plan, but that also means there's not a lot of flexible cards. They all kind of do a very specific things. I think, if anything, like LOR does, LOR seems to have the least amount of just raw good stuff cards, which is probably good, but it doesn't mean when you're trying to fill out a deck list, it can be, you know, with a, a less fleshed out mechanic, it can be kind of hard to find things to put in there. Like I've been struggling with this i've been looking at this vaults list uh the vaults of helia list for like this entire podcast just in the background you know and trying to figure out a four and a five drop that makes sense in the list it's hard there's just not many options there's just not options right and i'm ready for there to be well a i I think vaults i just want there to be more things that do things on summon Uh, Uh but really um i i think just um 
I think from a from a creative standpoint and wanting to do weird things, I'm just just one more pack, one more big set, and I think the card pool will be there. You know, honestly, like I have not been upset about the size of the card pool yet. I mean, I, I, have... I for me, it's just because I always want to do weird, stupid things. Like from building competitively, I have there's no issue with the card pool. You know, well, but I'm always trying to do like wonky stuff. And I think vaults is also just a an extra specific situation because it requires, you know. It requires you to sure. not play to not work with anything that works on play, at least if you want to get the value from vaults. Well, and it, it requires you to use cards pretty consistently that you want to pull out uh, from each mana level and. I uh, I have noticed before it was just like there just wasn't a lot of options like uh, and and I think this is the first time building the vaults deck was the first time for me that I was like I want more cards in this game like I want more options yeah. I'm gonna want uh, now once we get more cards I'm gonna be saying okay I'm ready for a rotation I need to see a, I need <laughs> to see a rotation around the corner you know um, yeah. but that being said something interesting that I thought maybe we could sort of close out our thoughts on for this episode with TBN was kind of like what we are thinking. We've now had, uh, you know, the first burst of Call of the Mountain. We've had the second burst of Call of the Mountain. We have another burst coming in December. So we're a good good bit away from that. You know, where we're, I think they're thinking like we're going to see uh, Riven and a PNZ champ. And I, I can't, I think maybe Victor or something from PNZ. Um, what do you think about this version of a release schedule? Instead of dumping them all at once, they do this sort of staggered, staggered. release yeah. of of a new set of cards. Um, do you like it? Do you not like it? Like, what do you? What are your feelings on it? Because I, I, I've been trying to form my feelings on it, and at first I didn't mind it, and now with this second miniature set that's come out, I'm more unsure. Um, but yeah, what do you, what do you think about it? Um, hmm. Okay. I'm going to give you, so, I, I can give you a moment to, to, to put together your thoughts. No, I, I, I mean, here, here's what it is. Um, there's pros and cons. The pro you get more stuff to play with sooner and more often. I mean, so we're going to have basically six times per year to get new toys. That's pretty cool. Um, but the impact that it's going to make and the hype it's going to generate is a lot smaller. Yes. Right. And unfortunately the side effect being it's going to leave certain factions pretty much dead in the water for longer periods of time. Um, like I'm specifically talking Noxus here, you know, well, even um, PNZ is a lot less popular right now than what it was before Targon came out. Sure. Yeah, I mean that's a good point too. Like Noxus and PNZ are like the last ones to get their champs, and so they also are the ones that have been just sort of languishing without a whole lot of new ways to play. Um, and that's for fans of the factions, which I don't necessarily think Runeterra has pushed this like faction loyalty that like you see in uh, Gwent or even really. Uh, sometimes even in Hearthstone with the idea of someone being a hunter main or a, you know, mage sure. main or something like that. Right. Um, 
you know, you don't have that faction loyalty in the same way. And I, I think that's probably wise for them to have not culture that because then you're not going to have the people that are like, OMG, my faction sucks, you know, which yeah. is definitely what you get in like, I mean, that's how I was in Hearthstone for a very long time because I, I hated that you could only play Hunter one way, mm-hmm. you know, even though I really liked Hunter and I liked some of the cards in Hunter. I liked the flavor of Hunter. I liked the card art a lot. I loved Kill Command. You know, it was just a cool card. And I liked the tribal synergies of Beast when there wasn't a lot of other tribal synergies in the game. You know, um, but I mean, when you have those factions, you know, you get that those those people, those, you know, those whiners. And we've all been there that are like, OMG, my faction is garbage. You know, why do you only love the other factions? Uh-huh. Right. This, and we don't have that so much here so much. Um you know, because I think they're really saying like, hey, be versatile, play lots of different factions, play lots of different champions. We don't, you know, they've never once been like what I thought would have been cool, but I think also was probably wise not to do, which is, oh, you know, you know, faction, like that's what Gwent would do, like faction showdown. Everybody who plays these decks, you know, for your faction gets a special card back or whatever, you know, declare your loyalty to your to your region. I still think that would be cool, but they haven't pushed that direction. So that kind of means that theoretically when people you know look at the state of noxus or pnz and say nothing has changed for them for like five patches um which that's a little bit of an exaggeration but um you know then it'll be like okay well there's still plenty of other things to play right you know yeah (laughs) um i so i like having new cards in, in summation i like having new cards more frequently but they don't make as big of a splash. And I think you're going to see people reverting back to other things because you're going to, when you get that huge influx of cards, um, what ends up happening is those cards end up coming out, maybe a little less tested and you have big, new, splashy, powerful decks that overtake the meta. The smaller the set is probably the more thoroughly it's been vetted. More Um, controlled, more controlled it is. And it's going to have less things to instantly come to the surface. And so, um, you know, you're not going to see in these smaller packs, you're not going to see the big influence that deep immediately had on the metagame when that came out in Bilgewater, uh-huh. you yeah. know, um, that's just not going to happen. I mean, we didn't even really see after the first call of the mountain expansion, we didn't even really see Targon make that big of a wave, at least as big of a wave as we thought, because it just didn't have as many cards as every other faction. I mean, think about how huge Leona was in the first couple weeks, but com- you know, completely faded off afterwards and part of the issue with the daybreak right now although i still think it's good um is simply like you know it it doesn't have enough other supporting targon cards uh that even if the ones that aren't explicitly daybreak to really be its own thing it's kind of forced to piggyback on other things um sure i'd argue that like if it wasn't for the leeson buff uh Tarek would never have really been a mainstream and you know character and really even once uh the bastion change came in Tarek got abandoned uh for zed with lee sin uh-huh. so you know not that, i mean they're different decks but you know the point being it, it's there's pros and cons you're gonna see a much bigger splash a much bigger wave and more hype the bigger the set is the more stuff that can be played and quite frankly the less you know you're going to have people completely solving the meta 
in the days leading up to in the quick, the few days immediately following, because I mean, think about like the BBGs and the, you know, swims and Mogwais and silver fuse shout out, shout out to silver fuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about those people who are going to be creating the content and it's going to be soaked up and they're going to get through the three new champions and the six landmarks pretty quickly. And not all of those are going to be good. So they're going to get through that quickly and everyone's going to kind of go back to saying, Oh, okay. Now what? Yeah. And that now what won't last for as long, but they're going to get to that. Now what quicker? Yeah. You know, I, it was interesting. So here's my thoughts on, you know, do I like it? Don't I like it? And okay. So in the end, no, I don't like it in the end. I don't like this release schedule. And, but my reasoning might not be what, what you might think it is. So when I first heard about it, I was like, "Eh, okay, well, we'll give it a try. And we are, and we're giving it a try. So, you know, people are kind of saying, well, we're not getting nearly enough cards and this is killing this, the, the new stuff that's coming out because we're not getting everything. And the fact, all all of those things that DBS has just said all of those things those things are valid however i heard plenty of voices plenty of voices in hearthstone in tessel in other games who are complaining and saying well the metagame is stale we need new cards we need new cards you're letting the metagame get stale there's nothing new going on in this game it's been months i'm bored with this game i'm done playing this game because it's boring right and one thing that you cannot say is that they don't do enough to keep you on your toes in this game in this release schedule is partially for that so that you don't get this enormous three or four month lull between card expansions mm-hmm. in which you do explore everything in the first month and then you have two or three months where you know the meta is solved and there's nothing to do right now like if they had released all of these cards back when uh call of the mountain came out i believe that people like swim bbg mogwai different individuals would have solved that meta in time that would have happened if this was like any other card game and it would have happened by now and these new cards that came out wouldn't be a new infusion because they would have been out already and we would be looking at another couple of months of the same exact thing that we're facing now or very similar maybe we would get one update um, to cards now i say that that should all sound like i like the new release schedule and i like it for that reason here's the reason that i have flipped and have decided i don't love it and it's it's very simple it's that i don't think this game needs it I think other games need this release schedule. I think Hearthstone needs this release schedule. But the fact that this team updates and adjusts cards so quickly, and the fact that they're willing to buff champions and not try to balance champions, they nerf champs instead of seeking to balanced champs they clearly have a metagame that they want to go to and they want to see what happens when we make Lee Sin really powerful they want to see what happens whenever you know we make uh, Vi not nearly as powerful the <laughs> their willingness to mess with the ebb and flow of that keeps this game interesting and for me at least it keeps me on my toes they're willing to make pretty drastic changes to key cards and their champions in this game on a very regular basis and so my thought is you just don't need it because the updates to the cards and the changes that they're willing to make every couple of weeks i just want them to come out and say we're going to give you all the cards at once. Let's be really clear about our philosophy. We aggressively change cards. We aggressively push cards 
in and out of the meta at different times. If your champion that you like playing isn't in the meta right now, don't worry. It will be again sometime in the future. Um, I think that's kind of what their balancing philosophy is, at least from what I've seen. And I wish that they... Uh, that's why I just think like I think that this release schedule is actually healthier for other games but because they so frequently change cards um, in this game and make adjustments buffing and nerfing uh, champions uh, and mm -hmm. cards in the game that just just it may not be necessary for a game like this with this particular team and that says more about my the way I value the team and the fact that I appreciate their constant adjustments than anything else so yeah, that, that. that's my thoughts, and that that can be completely off base. I'm sure there's people who who will disagree with that, but that that's yeah, that was just kind of like my, that's where I was. That's my initial thought on it. I, I mean, and that's totally valid. I mean, it, it just depends on what your goals are, and I think that the different release schedules are going to be better or worse for people depending on what those goals are. So. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you only can do what you do. Um, so, yeah, in the end of the day, just don't complain about it. Just You're getting a great game. <laughs> you're getting a great game, and you don't have to pay a cent typically to play every aspect of it that you want to play. You just can't look as cool as all the other kids in the playground. That's right. Um, That's unless, right. Unless you spend some money. Um, okay, DBN, uh, we're going to work our way out of here, but really quickly, uh, do you know what the, <laughs> the the big outrage really was this past week on Reddit and stuff over LOR? Oh, yeah, the KDA stuff, right? KDA stuff. Right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Do you, okay. Do you hate it? I don't it? go. I, I do not frequent Reddit. I don't care. I don't care. I I need to see it before I make a judgment. Fair. So until then, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. I know people were real upset about it, but I have not. Like, I didn't even realize that Runeterra had a lore until recently, so... Uh, <laughs> I just, I just thought they just released, you know, skins and stuff. I actually don't, I don't, I don't even know the full details of what the, what it is. I know that they're like releasing some special cars with the next set that you can get access to through leveling up your event or whatever. And you don't need the event pass in order to get the cards that come with the game. And I think those cards are all going to be craftable as well. So there's not really anything to be upset about. People are really upset about like the, we don't have all the regions and you're swapping universes on us and stuff like listen like the team has been swapping universes constantly in order to sell skins in lol what would make you think they're not going to swap around some universes to sell cosmetics in lor i just sort of expected that to happen i do wish it was a cooler thing than like the k-pop genre of champions but you know what who cares i i might it might not be my thing i was hoping the next event would be like i don't know kind of tougher like a lot tougher, but it it's not. That's okay. Hey, you know. Honestly, it's just because they're doing it with the, it's more important for them to do something fun like that for League of Legends. That's what's more and Team Fight Tactics because those are the bigger markets. Yeah. So, yeah, and they're doing a that, crossover and they want to get people into LOR. And so a good way to do that is do a crossover between all yeah. of their games. And that makes sense. Right. Yep. It's a marketing thing. Right. Like, and I'm also just kind of like, I might hate it when I see it, but until I see it, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to give it two, two thoughts. Yeah. Um, sorry if you're expecting a more intense uh, thing than that, yeah. guys, but 
You're my, not getting one. My last thing is to, like, hey, keep in mind, this company needs to make money. In fact, they need to make a lot of money. They've put a lot of money into this game. They need to make a lot of money off of it. And they're not making that money by forcing you to spend $100 every expansion on packs. Yeah, good so point. So if they're making their money by offering optional cosmetics that you don't have to purchase for an event you don't have to participate in, then cool it. <laughs> like, yeah. Just be glad they're making money because I tell you what happens when a game doesn't make money. You do you season two of a podcast <laughs> on a new game. That's what happens. Uh, That's right. <laughs> so, so just just be happy. You don't have to go through the death of a game because K-pop is coming or KDA is coming to Runeterra. So just like yeah. every time you see it, just remind yourself that someone that's not you is spending money on this and it's allowing you to continue to play this game into the future. And thank yeah. them. High five the person buying the KDA stuff because they're making that's you happy. Right. That's yeah. right. Heck yeah. We're on the same team here. We're on the same team. Yeah. Let's get out of here, man. Uh, how can people find you, DBN? Are you, uh, I don't know if you're going to try to do a video for the new set or not. Uh, anything you're thinking about? Yeah, no, uh, definitely check out my YouTube page. I would need to play more of the set to make a video of it. Uh, but I think I'll probably be playing my vaults deck uh, on a video soon. I've actually been enjoying it quite a bit. Um, I, I got to be honest, I have played an uh game a game while we were uh while we were recording uh just don't kind of in the background don't i know that. i shouldn't tell you that but i i feel like it was important because uh i did beat tf swain with it so it can't Whoa, be that bro it's still undefeated it's still undefeated nice very nice yes yes uh so anyways that's uh that's that. I'll be probably posting that up. That's uh, Deadbrook Nerd on YouTube. Um, I probably won't get a chance to stream anytime soon, to be completely honest with you. But um, yeah, how about you? See, now I get to ask you. Yeah, how about you? That. Yeah, twitch.tv slash the lift. I'm not over there very often, um, but I will be more in the future. Just haven't been. So if you want to know when I go live, go to twitch.tv slash the lift and, you know, smash that like button there. And uh, and you can find me whenever I go live over there. Hopefully, you know, playing, hopefully playing some LOR. We'll, we'll see if I am or if I'm not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's going to do it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you once again to all of our Patreons over at Patreon.com. We really appreciate you guys. That's going to do it for this episode, so please go ahead and enjoy this new uh, this new outro bit. And uh, yeah, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.